Welcome to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast, where you can listen to everything related to the game of golf. Golf tips to help you improve your golf game, entertaining interviews, discussions about the latest in golf equipment, and so much more. Now, here is your host, PGA professional, Steve Goforth. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of Go Forth and Golf. I am your host, Steve Goforth, PGA professional at Willow Creek Golf Club and owner of Go Forth Golf Instruction. Got a fantastic episode for you today. I'm going to talk about the body sequence that you should have in your downswing. What does the body do when you start your downswing? I'm going to talk about that with you today and make it seem a lot simpler and hopefully answer some questions that you have about that. Maybe some doubts that you have about what needs to take place when you begin your downswing into impact and after impact. I'm also going to give you my U.S. Open preview and predictions. Who's in my top 10? Who's got that really good chance of winning this golf tournament? And who I think is going to take home that U.S. Open trophy. So make sure you stay tuned for that because I really think it's going to be a great tournament this year at Torrey Pines. And it's interesting to see who's going to come out on top and who can withstand the sometimes treacherous conditions that Torrey Pines can present to those players. But before I jump into all of that, let me talk to you about this great weekend I had. I had a just a golf-themed weekend with my son, with my daughter on Friday. Started out the weekend Friday going to the TaylorMade Ball Plant over in Liberty, South Carolina. And, and let me tell you what a wonderful experience that was. Very, very educational. A special thank you to Kenny Reinhardt. Kenny is the Director of Operations there at the TaylorMade Ball Plant. And our tour guide was Scott Austin. Scott is a senior manager there at the ball plant. And Scott was a fantastic host. He started out by taking us into a classroom and really explaining in detail how a golf ball is constructed, how TaylorMade constructs their golf ball, uh, the significance behind every layer that they put around their golf balls, whether it's a two-piece ball, whether it's a three-piece or five-piece that they make with that TP5 and TP5X. And just, you know, just the significance of each layer and what it's supposed to do. How does it affect ball trajectory? How does it affect spin when the ball is constructed a certain way? And it was just very educational. Some things that I didn't know or forgotten. Really appreciate him taking the time to do that. Then he took us on a tour of the ball plant. And we got to see how the layers and the cover are put around the core. The overall, just the assembly line of that ball plant and the detailed step that every golf ball goes through until it's completely finished whether it was the painting of the golf ball, the stamping of the logo, or the arrow on the golf ball, the packaging of the golf balls. Also, how they find the seam of the golf ball and just making sure that every golf ball that goes through there is constructed perfectly. How do you sort out the ones that weren't? Make sure the ones that do go through the line are absolutely perfect before it goes in that package. Another cool aspect of their ball plant was the custom logo balls. We actually got to see the golf balls that are being made for Sergio and Rory and also many other orders that come into them from around the country. It could be something as simple as happy birthday, Steve. You put that on the on the side of the golf ball with a particular logo and how they get the coloring options for that logo and running it through the computer system and just making sure that every single custom option that comes through there is exactly the way the customer wants it. And I was just so impressed with how detailed and thorough they are. And it just really makes you understand how awesome of a product TaylorMade has and how important their golf ball is to them and how they want to make sure that every ball that's teed up is absolutely perfect and they accept nothing less than that. So such a wonderful experience. Cannot thank those guys enough for hosting myself, my son, my daughter, 
and just seeing how that whole operation works and just really gives you a huge appreciation for all the hard work that goes into making a golf ball, whether it's a standard golf ball, whether it's their picks ball, whether it's their custom options. They've got a fantastic product. If you've not hit a tailor-made golf ball, you've got to do so because after seeing this tour and understanding everything that goes behind it and the pride and the dedication and the commitment they have to producing such a fantastic ball, it is definitely a golf ball you need to consider putting into play. The next day, my son and I went down to Currahee Club. If you're not familiar with where Currahee Club is, down down near Tacoa, Georgia, sort of the northeastern part of Georgia. Thank you to Blake LeBrand for hosting us. He's the PGA professional there at Currahee Club. He and his staff were wonderful, treated us like royalty when we were there. And what an awesome golf course Currahee Club is. Very undulated, a lot of hills and valleys, a really breathtaking view from the first tee box you could kind of look out and see the lake in the distance tee box is sitting way in the air hitting down to a par five hole and it's just amazing views around that golf course you make the turn to number 10 you see the lakes in the background mountains in the background we had such a great time and it was a challenging golf course like i said with all the undulations had a lot of downhill shots uphill shots the course conditions were phenomenal fairways were perfect rough looked great tee box is great the greens rolled great, so everything about that golf course is fantastic. If you have a chance and you can get on down there at Currahee Club, I highly suggest you do it because it's an experience you will never forget, and it will absolutely test your golf game to the fullest. Go check out their website. It's CurraheeClub.com. You spell Currahee, C-U-R-R-A-H-E-E. Again, that's CurraheeClub.com. They have lodging and dining options, membership options, Highly suggest you check out their website, learn a little bit more about them, see the amazing pictures they have on there. And again, do what you can to go experience that fantastic golf course. The next day, we got to go up to The Rock, The Rock at Jocassi. Thank you to David Green, their superintendent, Tommy Beershank, Anthony Anders for allowing us to come up there and enjoy their golf course. Let me tell you something. If you've not been to The Rock lately, you're missing out. Five or more years ago, the place really was not in very good condition. David and Tommy and Anthony came in there, and they have really made tremendous improvements to that golf course. David is a wonderful superintendent. He's also the superintendent at Legacy Ponds here in the upstate of South Carolina. And I was just really impressed with how great that golf course looked. They have Tiff Eagle Bermuda Greens like we do at Willow Creek, and they were in great shape. The fairways looked great. Tee boxes were in great shape. Everything about that golf course thoroughly impressed me and where they've come along with that course in the last five years. Beautiful clubhouse. And just the people there were extremely friendly. So highly suggest you go up there and visit The Rock. It's a public golf course. Call and make a tee time. They'll be happy to have you. They'll treat you well. And you'll enjoy great golf course conditions on top of all of that. Go check out their website at therockgolfclub.com. Again, that's therockgolfclub.com. You can book a tee time on there. Check out the pictures they have of their golf course. Contact them if you have any questions. But everything you need to know is going to be on their website. Definitely go check them out. Just make sure you get up there and visit those guys. So that was it for my golfing weekend. I wanted to share that with you. The ball plant at TaylorMade, golf at the Currahee Club with my son Nick, and also golf at the Rock with my son Nick. Great weekend. Couldn't ask for anything better. It's great to be able to get back out there on the golf course. I don't get out there enough. I'm trying to make that a habit this year where I get on the golf course more. I get busy and just don't have the time to get out there as much as I'd like to. But had a great weekend, made lots of memories, and looking forward to getting out there and playing a lot more golf this year. So without further ado, let's jump right in to episode number 22. Let's tee it up. 
Oh, he got all of that one. Have you ever gotten your club to the top of the backswing and thought to yourself, okay, what next? What happens from here? I understand how to get the club to the top, but I'm really confused about what happens from the top of my backswing to the point of impact and after. So today I want to talk to you about that. I want to make that a little bit clearer, a little bit more simplified for you so that when you do work on your downswing sequence, that there'll be more confidence there for you, understanding what the body's doing. And I'm going to break that down into three easy-to-remember steps for you. You may be thinking to yourself, well, dang, Steve, I don't have time to think about three steps on my downswing. Well, of course you don't. It happens way too quickly. But you will need to practice these movements in slow motion or making slow motion swings so that when you make a downswing, these movements just happen instinctively. There's no time to think. Of course, you, you have that one single swing thought, such as tuck my right elbow to my side if you're a right-handed golfer or turn my hips through impact. Just something there to trigger the move you're working on or the move you need to improve upon. But you don't want to have more than that one thought. But I want you to understand what I'm going to break down for you, these three steps, so that you can be more confident in how you deliver that golf club to the golf ball. Many golfers start their downswing by unwinding their upper body first. They don't have any lower body movement. That club starts going outside and over the top, and that's going to result in a path that's just way too steep, and it's way too far to the left. A proper sequence in motion during that transition from the backswing to the downswing is really going to help you with not only a better path to the golf ball with your club, but it's also going to give you a lot more consistency with your ball striking and the direction that your ball is going to go in. Before I get started into these three steps, I want you to understand that to help make that transition into your downswing smoother, you really don't need to rush your takeaway. If you take that club back really fast, you're going to tell your whole golf swing to be fast. And I've mentioned that in a past podcast. You, you don't want to rush that takeaway. This will drastically affect the transition into your downswing if that takeaway is too rushed. And also the opposite of that, if that takeaway is just ridiculously slow, it's too slow, like slow motion, there can be some confusion there at the top on, okay, when do I push the gas pedal? When do I accelerate? Because you've taken so long to get to the top of your backswing, there's a part of you that's going to say, okay, go when you get to the top instead of making that acceleration happen at the bottom of the downswing or through the golf ball. So I don't want you to be too fast. On the other hand, I don't want you to be really, really slow either. Just trying to find that happy medium. So get ready to take some notes. I'm going to jump into the first thing I want you to remember with your downswing body sequence. All right, so once you reach the top of your backswing, no matter what your backswing length may be, whether it's, a, whether it's a condensed backswing or maybe you take it around your head or past parallel, whatever it is, this is where you need to feel a little bit of a pause at the top just to ensure that you don't rush the downswing and you don't risk the hands and the arms throwing the club outside and away from your body like I mentioned earlier. When you, you have that little bit of a pause at the top, it's going to feel like an eternity to you. It's going to feel like you're just pausing up there for five or six seconds. It's not that drastic. You want to feel maybe a one-second pause at the top. And I videoed a lot of students doing that, and I'll tell them to get to the top of the backswing, freeze it for a second, and then go. And when they see that in real time, they really see that, hey, it's, it's really not a pause at all. It's to get to the top and then go. So that pausing at the top just really helps with that transition so that when you do these moves I'm getting ready to explain to you, you can time them a lot better. So we're at the top of the backswing. We feel that little bit of a pause. That's just helping our transition be a little bit smoother. 
first thing you want to do is you want to get your lower body moving towards the target and at the same time dropping that elbow to your right side. So you got to think of it like this. The downswing starts from the ground and works its way up. It starts with the feet, the knees, the legs driving towards the target. And at the same time, you're dropping that right elbow if you're a right-handed golfer down to your right side. At the same time, you're making that lateral movement with your lower body or that drive with your lower body. The great Harvey Pinnock used to describe that magic move as a shifting of the weight towards the target while at the same time, you're moving that right elbow down to the right side of the body. Again, we're talking from a right-handed golfer's perspective. One thing you can think about is pretend there's a sponge, a wet sponge under your left foot. That sponge is full of water. And what you want to do is you want to push that left foot down and release all of that water out of that sponge. Just push every drop of water out of that sponge that you can. And that's going to help you transition your weight to your left side, engaging the lower body, engaging the legs, driving towards your target with that lower body while you're dropping the right elbow down. That's something you need to practice over and over, just making that movement get to the top. Left hip, again, your right-handed golfer, left hip bumping towards the target as the right elbow drops downward. And just move, do that move over and over and over again so you don't have to think about it quite as much. So again, first move from the top, driving with the lower body. Lower body or left hip drives or bumps towards the target. At the same time, the right elbow is dropping to your side. Let's talk about the second thing that needs to happen during your body sequence on the downswing. All right, so we've bumped that left hip towards the target. We've dropped that right elbow close to the side. Now it's time to release that golf club. So we're going to do that by rotating our chest and rotating our belt buckle towards our target. This is going to help deliver that golf club to the golf ball with some power. It's also going to prevent you from blocking that shot out to the right because if there's no turn of the hips and the chest towards the golf ball, the club face is going to remain open and that golf ball is going out to the right. So once we've driven with our lower body, we've dropped that right elbow close to our side, we're delivering that golf club from the inside, that inside to out golf swing that you've heard about. Now we've got to release it towards our target that comes from a chest rotation and a belt buckle rotation. A lot of people think, well, let me just turn my hips and that's all I need to do. No, you need to also think about the chest turning because that's going to really help with power. It's going to help with the release of that club. So the chest and hips are going to go together as you deliver that golf club to the golf ball. You want to feel like your, your chest and your belt buckle are starting to point at the target at the point of impact. So if you have that feeling, you're really going to be successful with the delivery of that club to the ball. Now, don't be alarmed if you pull it left because maybe you've over-rotated the chest. Maybe you've over-rotated the belt buckle. That's okay. At least that rotation's happened. You just kind of back off that. Work on the timing. That's where hitting the range balls is going to help you perfect the timing. Maybe you turn too late. Maybe you turn too soon. Whatever it is, you'll work on that. But the point of this podcast for you today is just understanding what needs to happen at the point of impact. All right, I'm going to jump into the last point I want to make for you on how to produce the right body sequence into the downswing. All right, so we've driven our lower body towards the target. We've pushed that water out of the sponge under our left shoe. We've dropped the right elbow to our side. Now we're turning our chest and our belt buckle towards the target. Last thing we want to think about here is just extending both of your arms and your hands towards the golf ball through the impact zone. This is important because you've all heard of the dreaded chicken wing. That's that lead arm. Again, if you're a right-handed golfer, it's that left arm 
bending and just not extending itself towards the golf ball. So you want to really work on slow motion swings, extending both arms and hands towards the golf ball so you get maximum power through impact. It's also going to help you to rotate your hands and arms through impact to square the club face. Not only do you want to feel that extension of the hands and arms at the golf ball, but you want to continue that through or after impact. So as the golf club is moving through the golf ball, you want that club head to be as far away from your lead shoulder, which is your left shoulder, as you could possibly get it. So just think about a full extension of your left arm all the way down to your wrist, all the way down to the shaft of the club, and all the way down to the club head. So that club head needs to be as far away from your left shoulder, again, your lead shoulder, as it can get so that can produce the power we're looking for and it's going to help you to send that golf ball towards your target when it's extending towards your target through and after the impact zone. I cannot stress enough the importance of doing this in slow motion because if you do it in slow motion hundreds of times a day, and, and literally it's going to take you doing it 100 times a day because you need to program that. And I don't want to scare you when I say 100 times a day. You're like, oh my gosh, I have absolutely no time to do something like this 100 times a day. You can break that up into segments throughout your day, whether you're sitting at the office or you're working from home, or maybe you're just sitting around watching television, just get up and make these movements in slow motion over and over. You can break it up into, I don't know, four 25 swing segments during the day. That's our hundred right there. And the more you do this, the less you're going to have to think about this when you actually make your golf swing. It's the last thing I want you to do or to have is all these swing thoughts bouncing around your head when you step up over a golf ball. You would have practiced these moves enough to where when you get over the ball and you get that club to the top of your backswing, you can transition into that downswing. Your body sequence is doing exactly what it needs to do because you've listened to this podcast today. You understand the movements you have to make with your body. You've practiced them over 100 times a day, every day, until you get to the point of mastering that movement and delivering the golf club to the golf ball more consistently. And that's what I want for you. That's the whole point of talking to you about this today, is getting you to deliver that golf club to the golf ball in a consistent fashion that's going to result in more success. Not only success with how you make contact with that golf ball in the center of the club face, but also the direction that golf ball is going for you. So if you can master this downswing sequence and these three simple steps that I've broken down for you, you're going to be absolutely amazed at how well you're making contact with the golf ball, and how consistently you're hitting your targets out there. Just really work to improve your downswing sequence because, again, it's going to improve your impact and it's going to make your golf swing so much more efficient and effective when you get out there on the golf course. In summary, you don't want your takeaway to be too fast or really slow. Just kind of find that happy medium in between there. Just make sure it's controlled and at a great tempo. Once you get that club to the top of the backswing, you're gonna first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna focus on the left hip. If you're a right-handed golfer driving towards the target, remember you're taking that left foot and you're squishing that water out of that sponge just underneath your left foot. At the same time, you're dropping your right elbow to your side. That's delivering that golf club from the inside and out. Secondly, you're going to rotate your chest, rotate your belt buckle towards the target through the impact zone. And then lastly, you're going to make sure you have a full extension of your arms through and after impact to ensure a centerness of contact. But the biggest thing is to ensure that power through the golf shot.
I really, truly believe if you focus on these tips that I've given you, you're going to be delivering that golf club to the golf ball a lot better. And just understanding this body sequence that you need to have on your downswing will piece this thing together for you and give you tremendous results. Good luck. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Remember, you can come to me for a lesson. I can show you these movements in a little bit more detail and help you to understand them even more so when we're there together on the range. I can show you myself and then help you get that body sequence going the way it needs to. Good luck and start working on that body sequence on the downswing. Doing the bull dance, feeling the flow, working it, working it. If you want to take control of your health and feel so much better, I encourage you to check out Pure on Main. They have two locations on Main Street in downtown Greenville across from the Hyatt and another location on Cannon Street in beautiful downtown Greer. Pure on Main provides you with essential services and products allowing you to live a healthier, more fulfilling life. Pure on Main is one of the most exclusive and unique health and wellness centers in the upstate. They've been nominated as one of Greenville's best wellness centers for five consecutive years. Do you want to improve your endurance, increase your mobility in your golf swing, or get rid of joint pains? I can assure you Betsy and her staff are passionate about helping you improve your life. They have stores filled with beneficial items for your body and your soul. They also provide services such as colon hydrotherapy, massage therapy, ionic foot detox, and wellness consulting. Pure on Main is dedicated to helping and serving their community. Please give them a call and let them recommend top-of-the-line products that are results-driven. I get all of my wellness supplements from them, and I feel amazing. Visit their website at pureonmain.com. Again, that's pureonmain.com, where you can purchase their phenomenal products, or you can visit their downtown locations in Greenville and Greer. So what are you waiting for? Start living healthier and pure with the help of Pure On Main. You won't regret it. Before we jump into the next segment, I want to thank you very much for your support of this podcast. I ask that you please share this podcast with your golfing group, your friends, your family, anyone who shares your passion or your interest in golf. Please tell them about this podcast. The more people I can reach, the more people I can help, the more we can grow this game. Remember, the whole purpose of this podcast is to inspire, is to educate, and is to entertain you. And I hope I'm doing all that through this podcast for you each and every episode. Also, share it on social media. You're welcome to tag me in that post. Anybody who shares my podcast and they tag me in it, you're going to automatically be put into a drawing for a free 30-minute golf lesson. So if you want a free lesson, go out there, just click the share button, tag me, real simple. Put it out there to your friends, family, on social media, and you have a chance of winning that free 30-minute golf lesson with me. Also, please visit my website at GoForthGolfInstruction.com. Again, that's GoForthGolfInstruction.com. You can also follow me on social media. It's at GoForthGolfInstruction on Facebook. It's sgoforth underscore PGA on Instagram, and it's at GoForthGolf on Twitter. And also, come see us at Willow Creek. Set up a tee time by calling us or going on our website and booking your tee time there. You can learn everything you need to know about Willow Creek Golf Club on our website. We'd love to see you. Thank you again for your support. Now let's head into the next segment. All right, so the 2021 U.S. Open is upon us, June 17th through the 20th. If you're listening to this podcast after the tournament, you can either bypass listening to this part of the podcast or maybe you want to listen and see how my predictions came out. Congrats to the winner, whoever it may be. But if you're listening before the tournament, obviously you want to check out my predictions, see who I think's got a good chance to win this golf tournament, and also a little bit about the golf course 
and what the players can expect to see when they play Torrey Pines. This will be the second time that the South Course has staged the U.S. Open. Previously, it was in 2008. If you remember that year, boy, it was hard to forget. That was the year Tiger and Rocco went into extra holes. They played an extra round of golf. They were the only two players, actually, to finish in the red in that tournament, if you didn't know that. The scoring average in that week was nearly three strokes over par, and the golf course should definitely prove to be challenging for those players this weekend, just like any U.S. Open. And we know the USGA loves to jack that rough up a little bit higher, make it very difficult if you miss the fairway. And then, of course, if you're around the greens, you miss a green, you're going to be penalized. It's going to be really difficult to get up and down. I love this tournament. I love how they make this thing hard. I enjoy seeing these guys struggle a little bit because we see these 15, 20 under finishes at the end of the day on Sunday. I kind of like to see when they are just slightly under par and maybe even over par because, you know what, the common golfer can kind of relate to that a little bit more, and it's different, and it's more challenging. And I'll be honest with you, you may be listening and be like, you know what, hey, that's me. I feel like they're playing just like I do. You can kind of relate to them a little bit better, right, because they're struggling out there just like we all do when we get to the golf course sometimes. We don't see that as much from these guys because obviously their game's at a whole other level. So I just I love the U.S. Open. I love the fact that it plays harder and we just see higher scores and it just you kind of see who's going to persevere in this situation. Who can handle not going low? Who can handle not being able to hit every shot the way they want to and getting themselves out of trouble? It really kind of sets people apart. So if you can walk away with a U.S. Open victory, you've done something because you have really mastered the toughest elements that the USGA can throw at the best golfers in the world. I just, again, love this tournament. One thing you want to keep an eye on at the golf course are the greens. The POA annual greens are really difficult to putt on. And there's one person out there that really puts well on these greens, and that's Patrick Reed. Patrick won the Farmers Insurance Open by five shots, and he made 38 one putts in route of doing that. So you got to look at Patrick Reed as a favorite here because he just really feels comfortable putting on those POA annual greens, and he just he knows how to do it. So keep your eye on him. He may do something this weekend. Of course, we all want to see Bryson and Brooks paired together, and that's not going to happen unless they're forced to be paired together because of what they shot in the tournament. But I think everybody was looking forward to Bryson and Brooks being paired together because of the animosity. I touched on that in my last podcast, if you listen to episode number 21. We'd love to see these guys paired together later in the tournament. Hopefully, they'll shoot something similar and be forced to play together come Saturday and Sunday, especially Sunday. How awesome would that be if these two guys are paired up on the Sunday round And on top of that, maybe it's the last grouping of the day. I tell you what, ratings would go absolutely through the roof if that is the case. So I'm going to jump right into my predictions. I'm going to do like I've done in the past. I'm going to give you my top 10. Any of these 10 guys I think have the ability to walk away as the U.S. Open champion. So let's jump right in. Well, we're waiting. So before I jump into my predictions, I'm going to give you some statistics on where they finished at Torrey Pines if they've played there recently. Some of these guys, you won't hear me list a finishing position at Torrey Pines recently because they may not have played there in recent years. So if you don't hear that, that's why. So let's start out with number 10. Daniel Berger. Daniel is a terrific ball striker, and he's really right there on the cusp of becoming a major winner. And Daniel is at 33-1 to odds to win this thing. He tied for 34th last year at the U.S. Open. 
Keep your eye on Daniel. Would love to see him win his first major at the U.S. Open. Great golfer, great person, and definitely due for that major victory. Coming in at number nine, we're going to go with Justin Thomas. He's a 14-to-1 favorite. He tied for eighth last year. And you may be asking yourself, why in the world does Steve have Justin so low? It's because he just has not been performing where I thought he would in the majors so far this year. Only two majors in, obviously, but I don't know. He just he seems to be disappointing me lately. Would love to see him be the U.S. Open champion. I just I don't know. He's just not performing the way I thought he would in majors so far. I hope he proves me wrong. But I'm going at number nine, Justin Thomas. In the number eight slot, I'm going with Rory. He's a 12 to 1 odds to win. He tied for eighth last year, and he tied for 16th at this year's Farmers Insurance Open. Again, he's another one. He's kind of disappointed me in the last two majors. Hasn't come through the way I thought he would. I'm a little hesitant to put him further up on the list, but again, at any point in time, he could come out and win a golf tournament. He can get streaky. We'll see what happens, but he's number eight for me. At number seven, I'm going to go with Dustin Johnson. 10 to 1 favorite, tied for six last year, seems to play well in the U.S. Open. He played well at the Palmetto Championship. Could this be Dustin's week? We shall see if Dustin can pull out a U.S. Open victory at Torrey Pines. Coming in at number six, Patrick Cantlay, a 28 to 1 favorite, tied for 43rd last year. The last time he played Torrey Pines was at the Farmers Insurance in 2019. He missed the cut there, but he was 51st in 2018 so he hasn't put up stellar numbers at Torrey Pines but again Patrick Cantley's another guy just like I mentioned with Daniel Berger he's kind of right there on the cusp of coming through and taking home a major championship playing some really good golf right now we'll see if Patrick can get it done this weekend coming in at number five I'm going with Jordan Spieth 14 to 1 favorite he missed the cut last year at the U.S. Open he missed the cut at the Farmers Insurance Open this year doesn't look good for Jordan for this tournament if you go by those stats. But again, we're talking about Jordan Spieth, one of the best golfers in the world. And we know how he likes to bring his game up when he's in a major. We'll see if he can do it this weekend, but he's my number five pick. Coming in at number four is a guy I mentioned earlier, Patrick Reed. 33 to 1 odds. He tied for 13th last year, but like I said earlier, he won the Farmers Insurance Open this year. Reason why I don't have him at number one, he's 33 to 1 odds. He did tie for 13th last year. It would not surprise me if Patrick won this golf tournament just because of how he loves to putt on those greens, like I mentioned to you earlier. But I've got him ranked fourth, but could very well walk away with the U.S. Open considering everything I've talked about. Coming in at number three, I'm going with Xander Shoffley, a 16 to 1 favorite. He finished fifth last year in the U.S. Open. Tremendous stats, and he finished second at the Farmers Insurance Open this year. So those are some very impressive statistics for Xander. You know he's still reeling from that collapse, if you want to call it that, at the Masters this past year. He could taste it. He was right there, coming down to 16. Got an unlucky bounce here at the green at 16, and it just did not go his way. But, man, he is, uh, again, another one that is really good, just like all these guys, really. But Xander is wanting a major championship so badly and would love to see him get that monkey off his back here at the U.S. Open and kind of make up for that disappointment that he felt at the Masters. Coming in at number two, I'm going with Brooks Kepka. He's a 14-1 to favorite to win the tournament. He actually withdrew 
last year due to some injury, and he missed the cut at the Farmers. Again, not too good of stats to go off of there if you want to predict him, but Brooks is Brooks. You know, he's he's the guy that loves to come through in majors, and he loves to play well. He just seems to thrive under that pressure, and he's won the U.S. Open before, so wouldn't put it past him to win it again. He's my number two pick. And then coming in at number one, I'm going with John Rahm. He's 11 to one favorite. He tied for 23rd last year. He tied for seventh at the Farmers Insurance, but he also won at Torrey Pines in 2017. To me, that's huge. He's got that confidence, and he knows he can play that golf course. And let me tell you something else about John. You know, he's still reeling from having to withdraw from the memorial due to COVID. You know that did not sit well with him. You could clearly tell he was upset by it. Guy was absolutely punishing the field and could have clearly been on his way to a victory, and I hated it for him. I, I honestly I did not like how they handled that. I, I feel like, hey, if you tell him he had to withdraw, pull him into a separate room. Don't tell him in front of the cameras. You know, that's a, a private matter, and that needed to be something that needed to be done off camera. I just didn't like it. But regardless of that, I think that he he wants to come out. He wants to keep playing well. Can he do well coming off COVID? I don't know how bad his symptoms were, but uh, hopefully he can recover well enough to come back and not affect him in any way, shape, or form. I, I have a feeling that's going to be the case. I feel like he's going to come out and, and just keep going full steam ahead. But I would absolutely love to see John Rahm win this golf tournament just based on all that adversity he had to face during the memorial, having to withdraw from that tournament after playing so well. I would be absolutely thrilled to see him win. So those are my picks. That's my top 10. And again, I think any of these guys can walk away with a victory here this weekend. But my top guy is John Rahm. We'll see what happens. If you want all the information from the tournament, go to the usopen.com website. You can see pairings. You can see the latest scores. Everything you need to know is going to be on that website. So make sure you check it out during the tournament. Good luck to all the participants for this year's tournament. Cannot wait to watch it. I think it's going to be action-packed. I think we're going to see some fantastic golf. We're going to see some challenging conditions. And uh, let's see who's hoisting that U.S. Open trophy on Sunday afternoon. This can't talk because ain't about hitting some little white ball in some yonder hole. It's about inner demons, self-doubt, human frailty, and overcoming all that crap. That concludes episode number 22. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to press that play button, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. You didn't have to do that, but you did. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast today. Remember, you can always go back and listen again if you want to take notes on anything you've heard in this episode. I encourage you to take out your tablet and make notes. Use your phone, break out a journal, write down those notes, Doing this will help you retain the information you've heard a lot better, and it will truly make you a student of the game. Also, remember, you can go back to the archives and listen to past episodes. Maybe you want to refresh your memory on knowledge I gave you, or maybe you want to listen to a past interview, or also you could have forgotten to listen. Whatever the case may be, you can always go back and listen to the past 21 episodes prior to this one. Don't forget to tell people you know about the podcast and help me grow the game of golf. Help me grow our golfing community and grow my audience. Your help and your consideration is tremendously appreciated. If you feel like I deserve it, go out and give me a five-star rating on the Apple platform and write a good review. Doing this will help this podcast become more noticeable and I can help others with their game as well. So I really appreciate your help on that. 
Don't forget that episode number 23 will drop on Wednesday, July the 7th. One of the topics in that episode will be the importance of stretching, not only for your personal health, but also what it can do for your golf game. That'll be one of the things I talk about in that episode, along with some other things as well. So make sure you tune in for that episode to drop again on Wednesday, July the 7th. Until the next episode, I hope you hit your drives long and straight. I hope you hit more greens in regulation, and I hope you drain more putts. And most importantly, I want you to go out there and have fun. Remember, that's really important. That's why we're doing this. Go out there and have a great time. Don't forget to do something nice for someone today. And remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game. You've been listening to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to receive alerts on new episodes. For more information, please follow us on social media at Go Forth Golf Instruction or visit our website at GoForthGolfInstruction.com. Remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game.